When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Okay, so it's a party. Yes. But about TV. Yes. Join us every Monday for TV Party, where we'll talk about the news of the moment, the best episodes of the week, and what we can't wait to find sitting on our DVRs. We'll also chat with actors, writers, and experts about TV, elect classic characters to our Hall of Faces, deep dive into full seasons of some great shows, and more. Find us at Consequence of Sound, iTunes, or wherever you procure fine podcasts. Oh, Clint, one more thing. Is it open bar? It's BYO. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Wherever you're listening from today, hit that subscribe button right now so you can keep up with these interviews and then leave a rating and a review as well. Today is a very special Americana edition with three guests who all have new albums out. I'll first be talking to Amanda Shires about her latest record to the sunset. Then it's Gary Lewis of the Jayhawks who just released Back Roads and Abandoned Motels. And we'll wrap it up with Israel Nash and his newest LP called Lifted. Now we're starting off though with Amanda Shires and again the record to the sunset. Uh, We get into a lot of the subjects and themes of this record. Mental illness, sex, Amanda Shires also just completed a uh, Master's of Fine Arts, and uh, and we'll also get to talk about her hanging around with John Prine. It's Kyle Meredith with Amanda Shires. How are you doing? I'll point out that uh, you're coming to you're coming back to Louisville September 29th. I see you've got a date at Headliners behind this new record to the sunset. We're very excited to have you back in town. Well, I can't wait. And I guess the place to start is one of the most obvious places is. This is not the same sound that people are used to, where where you sort of left off. I, I think it'll be a surprise for a lot of people, but but I know that's important for any artist to, to kind of grow. Is, is it important for, to you 
to, to not be pigeonholed in Americana and Roots? And does this sound stem from that at all? I think that if you go back in my catalog and you go listen to, like, Down Fell the Doves and the other two records, you can hear things like what I'm doing on this new record. It's just a, a, a did more of it. So I think that if... if because, you know, my last record didn't have any of the kind of synthesizer or any kind of thing or kind of not too much electric guitar and everything. But um, so if people just caught on to me from that record, then I could see how they might think it was way different. But to me, it's not that far from previous works, but it is far, I guess, in the way that there's, you know, some crazy, crazy doubled robotic vocals or something like that. But I um, mean, it is odd that I have songs that, that aren't completely just miserable and sad <laughs> is it any different for you to write around beats you know if you're if you're not playing with someone live or creating with someone live is that very different for you i don't write with beats i just write in my closet far away from my toddler with the door closed and um, my microwave a <laughs> lean cuisine and i just stay in there well i guess then it's more about recording yeah yeah we hear the beats on this record and everything, and I, I don't know if the finished product, the recording or whatever it is, because if you're playing along with what sounds like a computer at least, or, or maybe it's someone on a oh, drum no. pit. Oh, no, we re-recorded it on drums. See, I was, the way I was hearing it in my head sometimes was um, I, had to, I met with Dave Cobb before we recorded the record and told him what I was trying to do because um, it takes a lot to try and explain, translate what's in your head what you're hearing in your head, especially if you aren't good at the drums, which I'm not good at the drums and, and how to, you know, make it translate into like make the drummer or have the drummer experiment and stuff like that. So sometimes we did double things. Like we had a, a drum set and then we had another drum set and sometimes we did a drum kit and then, um, you know, the sample pad, which is actually the drummer playing the eighties sample sample pad thing. You know what I'm talking about? Uh huh. Uh-huh. It just looks like a, a weird little gray box with like six squares on it, and you bang a drum stick on it. Not like your chicken drum stick, <laughs> but your drum drum stick on it and see what you like with those sounds. But no, I had an idea for this record. All the sounds I could hear in my head, and then after that, it was a matter it was a matter of just talking to David and us trying to figure it out together. Well, I, I do like the sound that it's made. It's, it's made for a really fun listen already, and, and I thought, with the things that you're tackling on this record, maybe it was important for the sound to match the lyrics because even the brighter mm-hmm. stuff can be a little bit darker, I've noticed. Yeah, I, I agree. And we need a little bit of fun and to find some kind of joy in these in times as they are. You know, some of the issues that you're talking about here, mental illness, addiction, does that come from any specific place for you? Is there a reason why you wanted to write about those subjects? I think, I, I think that... There are things that I deal with on the daily with my friends and family, and then I know that my friends and family also are dealing with them. And then, you know, just trying to make it easier to talk about things, you know, to make it less, you know, just to try and open conversation, you know, have if people can ask a question, then, then that's good because they're starting to talk. And I think that, that um, a lot of us are scared to talk to one another these days, and, and um, it, I think it's really important you know, face-to-face contact and caring, you know, empathy and all that sort of stuff. And I think anytime, the more we talk about it, the less of a, not stigma, like the less it, the more we talk about it, the more we talk about it. So we're not talking about it less. I don't, there's a word I'm looking for here. Because when we ignore things, then they be, they become bigger beasts. And I don't know, it's all about connectivity and connecting with one another and trying to 
help each other out, I guess, without trying to be a hippie. <laughs> I know we're dealing with that in the music community and all over the world. I mean, suicide rates in recent reports are up quite a bit than since the late 90s. But mm-hmm. but in our world, it was, of course, recently with Bourdain and, and, and last year with Chris Cornell and on and on and on. It, 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 and that's what we keep hearing. This needs to be talked about more. It, it needs to be talked about more. So to address that in a song. And every everybody's going through things. I mean, it's it's everybody's going through something. Just whether or not they feel safe talking about things is another thing altogether. Well, I definitely appreciate that you're you're putting that conversation out there because because I know especially you know we hear the stories about fans coming up to artists after shows and talk about how meaningful these songs can be and so if you're talking about you know as specifically as taboo that was the word i was looking for you found it <laughs> <laughs> no wait a second you're the one with the masters in uh, creative writing right <laughs> yes yes but um you know i have a toddler that um she's she's she kept me up a little bit last night she's going through some kind of emotional stuff so she's yelling out in the night and i'm like what is going on up there there's turtles coming from the sky i'm like this is not a sturgill simpson dream (laughs) oh but if it was if it was Mm -hmm. the creative writing thing did the master's part did did, did i read that right is is that something new did you just get the master's part i got it last april it took me five years so congratulations thank you i'm glad i'm glad i i'm glad i made it through with all my brain still intact you know most people say you can't do anything with a major like that (laughs) <laughs> I think you're showing them. I think, you know, education never hurts in learning. Like, I'm a curious person. I think the more you can, that you're interested and that you stay interested, the better quality of life you have, I guess, because, you know, nobody wants to be bored. But, um, no, I went to, to um, pursue that because um, when I, in my songwriting, I was operating solely on instinct, and, and, and I was so slow with my songs. It was just so slow because every time I wanted to make a decision, I had to follow one idea out and then try the other idea. And so I just wanted to get to, to be a better writer, and so I went there to try and um, search for some more tools for the toolbox. And um, I feel like I found a few, and um, the editing is easier, and the, you know, deciding which prepositions better is helpful and um you know trying to trying to be more precise and we use it a lot around here even in just you know everyday everyday conversations about words it seems like it'd be three full-time jobs you know going for any kind of higher education and being a full-time musician and being a full-time parent like that sounds maddening yeah it was well i didn't have mercy until i was done with the coursework and then i took that Last, I added a year on to my, to finish my thesis, so that's all done. It's all done. Let's let's just break out some champagne. Well, on the lighter side of things, I'll bring up the uh, the lead single. I hope that I can say the lighter side of things. I know it's talking about romance and 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 sex to a point, which which has also been really fun finding the Americana critics trying to figure out how to talk about a song that's talking about sex. I mean, all you got to do is just say it, you know, make that less taboo too. I mean, if the president can say pussy, ding, can I? <laughs> yes, yes you can. It was very quick that I went back to uh you and 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 Jason, Jason Isbell had recorded a cover of Licky Lee's I Follow Rivers, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you know, not a sex song, but but it's how I kind of associate Licky Lee because you know, a lot of her songs kind of mm-hmm. deal with that. And and I don't know if there's a direct line that you can draw there, but that's that's what my brain did. It went back to that. Yeah, spot. that's fine with me. I am. Um, I just I just fell in love with it because of the um, the English as a second second language type thing. Like it, it's just 
read, even reading other other authors' translations or a translated author's work, you know, something that's been translated into English, it's always fascinating to me too, just because of the um, images that are chosen and then the, the sort of, um, I don't know, just kind of off kilter writing the way it turns out when you do translate things. And, and, and I think that's what that and that, that um, whatever the song is about is, it's just, it, I don't know, it's an earworm, really. Yeah. That no, was a great reading of it, too. I've played that one along plenty of times. And I'll bring up a few of the guests on this record. You mentioned uh, Dave Cobb, of course. It sounds like the whole family is invited. Gillian and Dave Rawlings. Um, is there anybody else that, that we should point out? I mean, Gillian sang on the, the harmony on that one. Jason played the guitars for the most part on it. And, um, yeah, just 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 us hanging out, being cool. Oh, Peter Levin that I met when I was playing with um, Greg Allman, I talked him into playing on the record and joining my band. And um, so he played on the record, except on one song, and Derry DeBorhoff from the 400 unit played a, played a few keys on, on, I think it was Charms, maybe? That's not a bad lineup right there. I like them. Not bad company. You're going to love them. And I'll also bring it up, uh, you were on uh, John Prine's album, mm-hmm. which we absolutely adore. Seeing him get the spotlight, this this bright these days is is so awesome and, and you've spent a lot of time with john right sure have i sure have um and it and it has always been a really good time he's hilarious he's a, he's a person the same person on stage as he is walking around the airport I, I just kind of imagine just just trying to hang on to his one-liners you know he as, loves as meatloaf all you have to do is give him some meatloaf <laughs> <laughs> i'll remember that I don't know if I'll ever get the chance, but I'll remember that. I, I had him on the phone uh, a couple months ago, but uh, mm-hmm. one of my favorite interviews that's that's ever happened. I could listen to him for hours, I think. He's got the best stories. <laughs> well, Amanda, I definitely appreciate you again uh, giving me the call and, and, and do this. And I'm really looking forward to the uh, to the sunset coming out. And, and again, I'll mention September 29th. We're going to have you back here in Louisville at Headliners. Thank you so much. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. Bring it. Well, bring it. I'll bring all of it. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you, too. All right. Bye. That right there is Amanda Shires. And again, the uh, the new album is called To the Sunset. Now we'll head on to part two here in the Americana Explosion. Gary Lewis, famous of the Jayhawks, has also been a a co-writer for the last 20 years or so. In fact, it sort of all started with him when he uh, hooked up with the Dixie Chicks for their very important early 2000s record, Taken a Long Way co-writing a few of that album's biggest hits. Uh, And through the years, working with folks like Jacob Dylan and the Wild Feathers, he's compiled uh, a nice list of co-writes. They've taken all those songs now and put them through the Jayhawks lens for the new album Backroads and Abandoned Motels. We talk about what it's like co-writing with those other artists. We also get to hear about uh, the Jayhawks' work on the two newest Ray Davies records and being a part of the uh, Johnny Cash Forever Words compilation. And he gives us uh, some insight on if we'll be hearing from his other band, Golden Smog, anytime soon. It's Kyle Meredith with the Jayhawks. Backroads and Abandoned Motels. This is a really cool project, as we're hearing about uh, a lot of the songs that you've co-written over the years for the other artists. What brought it on now? Why now? Well, it was suggested by this guy, uh, John Jackson at Sony Legacy, who uh, we got to know in the late, like around 2009 when we were reissuing Jayhawks records. <clears throat> through Sony Legacy, and he ended up being this huge fan, and he became a good friend, and uh, turned out, you know, he plays. He's a good player, and uh, he's you know, a kind of young guy, and he started 
flying into dates and sitting in with us and kind of really became a member. So he's kind of a, a member when he can. He has a regular job, but he, so he's always looking out for things to 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 make people think of the Jayhawks or what ways to to, to promote us and because he really believes in us. And he's the guy who connected us with Ray Davies, and he suggested he said you know he, he knew we were kind of in between records and he thought and he said Sony would love to put out something where you know just to show people uh showcase your songwriting and thought you know it would be really cool to hear the Jayhawks do these songs I wrote with and for other people with co-writing I mean in one sense maybe being in a band you, you've always been co-writing but the, these songs they were probably different I'm guessing is it very different it's quite a bit different for one thing uh, you're writing especially when you're writing with the artist uh, they're going to end up making it their own putting it on their record it represents what they want to say so you really have to keep a two-way street going an open door and really kind of be try to get out of them what they want to say uh, as opposed to when you're making your own record you can pretty much say whatever you feel um, so it's a collaboration it's a, sometimes it's a compromise sometimes it's just a it's the you learn something it's a synergy and uh, and you try not to put so much of yourself into it that it drowns out the other voice so it's a, there's an art form to definitely to co-writing. I, I'm sure every song kind of you know asks for its own thing, but are there rules with this where you said you had to stay true to the original, or do you try to give it your own personal touch now that it's that it's just you this time around? Well, I think that's part of the appeal of doing this is that we can do it the way we you know we we, we want to do it, and I will say that I'm happy with all the the versions that people recorded, and that's not just saying that. But when you co-write something, you kind of, once you're done writing, you kind of hand it off and let go of the baby, and it goes off to <coughs> to uh, grow up <laughs> in another, you know, on somebody else's record, and uh, other than the Dixie Chicks. Well, I guess I played on the Carrie Rodriguez record, too, but some of these, I, I wasn't involved in the recording, so it was really nice to just say, well, maybe I want this to be a little faster, maybe a little uh, different key, uh, maybe a little slightly different, uh, humbler production. Uh, but, you know, the arrangements in themselves weren't drastically different because I liked how they were and there was no reason to reinvent it. Yeah, and there's a lot of great names on here. Of course, you mentioned the Dixie Chicks. It's, not, it's hard not to bring that one up because that was such a monumental record to be a part of. That must have been felt in your career. Uh, was it? Was that felt in your career like immediately when uh, when a record that big happens and you're a part of it in any way? Uh, you know, not as much as I thought. <laughs> I thought the phone, would, and I've talked to other writers on the project. You know, thought maybe the phone would just ring off the hook, <clears throat> but it didn't really. And I think it's because the Dixie Chicks were kind of unto themselves. They were they're kind of uh, you know they they weren't a straight country act, and especially at that point. And so it it didn't change my life. I made some money, but not uh, retirement money. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty important time though to be uh, for them, and they want they had things they wanted to say, and you know, there's other songs I really enjoyed work with Jacob Dylan, who is a friend of mine and doesn't do a lot of co-writing, and we wrote a song called "Gonna Be a Darkness," which is one of my favorites, and that that was on the True Blood soundtrack. So um, that you know, again, that was a whole different thing because Jacob doesn't really co-write that much and uh, or didn't at least and so it was a real honor to do it with him and and then a couple of the others uh, uh, uh co-writes with wild feathers and emerson hart uh, you did those but those were never released right 
Right. The Wild Feathers, we wrote a couple songs uh, when I met them in L.A., and we recorded, we wrote and recorded two songs, demoed two songs in one day, and they recorded one of them for their previous record. It's called uh, American, I think it's called. And uh, But we did this Backwards Women, which uh, I was, was I really just had a little special place for it in my heart, and uh, they never really uh, didn't fit in with them or something, and so... Uh, I'm excited for all these people to kind of hear what we what we did with it, you know, because yeah. they, you know, for most of these people, I haven't heard our versions yet. So, and Emerson Hart is just a really good friend of mine who we met just co-writing. <clears throat> they put us together to do some uh, writing and ended up we wrote a bunch of songs that and we're hoping to make a record and just haven't gotten around to it, but. Long time ago, which is on this record, was the first one we wrote together, and it's that's the cool thing about co-writing. Sometimes you walk into a room, meet somebody, write, and after four hours, you become really good friends. I guess what we're it's all like speed dating, right? <laughs> speed dating. Yeah. You know, and and sort of circling back around in that same uh, idea too. Um, I didn't know that "Come Crying to Me," which was released on Natalie Maines' a solo record, had been around for that long. Like so that. As I understand, that had been around in those initial Dixie Chick sessions, right? Right. That was the first song that we wrote together, and we did that down in Austin, Texas. That uh, was when I first met them, and they had me come down, and we wrote, and didn't really hear anything back for a month or so. Uh, and then thinking, well, nothing more will come out of that. And then I got the call to come out to L.A. and continue writing. So Come Crying to Me was the first one, and it just didn't quite make it onto their record. And uh, but Natalie must have liked it enough that she put it on her solo record. Yeah, we love that one around here too. I, I don't remember that ever being an official single off that record, but man, did we play it a lot! Oh, cool. Yeah, just loved it. Um, and and, and I'd love to hear. I, I haven't heard myself the the two new songs, but I'm really interested to hear uh, "Carry You to Safety" and "Leaving Detroit." So these are not co-writes. They, they, it sort of breaks the rules, right? Right. Well, we kind of just threw a little you know, candy at the end, a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, for people who maybe had a, I don't know, uh, we just kind of did that to, because I had a couple songs I really wanted to, to get on there, and they weren't co-writes, but they seemed to end the record nicely. And Carrie's Safety is, uh, is a song I wrote about my girlfriend when I met her, and I think she's really happy it's on the record, let's put it that way. And, uh, <laughs> Leaving Detroit is kind of a dark Jimmy Webb kind of uh, story about a bit of domestic uh, violence and love and and all kinds of weird things. Another thing that we seem to do is like a very pretty song with somewhat dark lyrics in it. You made a career out of it, one that's made a lot of us very yeah. happy. Yeah. There's a and 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 I know there's some other things happening. The uh, the second Ray Davies record is coming out. And you guys are part of that again. Yep, that's coming out June 29th, I think. I'm not positive, but uh, yeah, I was real honored to be a part of that whole that whole project. You know, one of my childhood heroes, and now I can you know call him by first name and him on the street uh, we would uh, hang out so you know he's, he's, uh, it was a thrill yeah. now when you call him by last name do you do Davies or Davis well technically it's Davis it's and I just have a hard time doing it because <laughs> I just learned that last year and I can't get my head around it but that is the technical way that you're correct that yeah. is the way to say it now were those all those both sessions recorded at once or are those two different sessions no. volume one and two 
two different sessions split up by maybe a year or a little less you know we always knew there was going to be another record <clears throat> but um yeah those were split up so two separate trips to to london to record at cox studios which was cool and then uh, i know there's anniversary editions i want to mention those as well uh, vagabonds that's a your solo record one of your solo records getting the 10th anniversary uh, reissue and there's extra tracks there right there's a few extra tracks, I believe, and uh, new photos, liner notes that weren't there before, and uh, yeah, and it's on really high-quality vinyl, and uh, they did a beautiful job, kind of a limited edition kind of thing. Yeah. Now, is that just because it's turning 10, or is that one you had your eye on to, to get back out there? Uh, somebody's brought up the idea. Again, I wasn't really uh, on top of it, but yeah, it's a, a really cool company, which whose name escapes me right now, but... Uh, uh, they do these sort of things, and so uh, I embraced that. And then we had that song on the Johnny Cash Words and Music record where we, where we kind of completed a, a unfinished Johnny Cash song along with a lot of other people like Roseanne Cash and uh, like Chris Cornell, Brad Paisley, Alison Krauss, a lot of great people on that record. That was cool. That, I recorded that. We recorded that while we were on the road. It was wherever uh, My Morning Jacket's studio is. That, that was where we did that. So. Oh, yeah, no, that's here in Louisville. No, that's right, because the last time you were here, uh, you were in the studio with me, and you kind of told me off the record after the uh, after the interview, like, yeah, there's this Johnny Cash thing. Because I had just interviewed oh, Chris Cornell. Yeah, that, that was in Louisville. I just interviewed Chris Cornell. Okay. And we were talking about that. I remember that now. That's mm. uh, Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So we've had a lot of different things going on. That's cool. And, uh, and I'll wrap it up with, uh, I also saw Golden Smogs down by the mainstreams getting a reissue. It, you know, I looked at that, and is a pair of records 10 years apart, and, and now it's been another 10 years, and I thought, if they're going to do it, we're due again. We're due for another Golden Smog. You know, it's really, really spooky that you brought that up, Kyle, is I, got, I just got a text about a half an hour ago from Jody Stevens, the drummer who was in Big Star, and uh -huh. he, he works in Memphis at Ardent, and uh, he was part of those records, uh, and uh, he just texted me and just said, hey, how are you? I miss you. Would you be interested? I've been listening to Weird Tales, and I wonder if, you know, you want to do some more shows, and so that's funny. I just said, if you can talk uh, the rest of the guys into it, uh, I might be interested, so, you know, uh, you know, a start would just be to play a few shows, and see what happens but uh, no promises yet well that's still the best news that uh that i've heard this this minute that's funny that you brought that up just today that's weird <laughs> it's in the universe man the universe wants a, a new uh new golden well, i guess record. so yeah yes i guess it. so yeah they reissued golden's uh weird tales and i think they're, they're reissuing down by the old mainstream which is uh, before that you know? yeah. yeah yeah i'm looking forward to getting that too uh, and, and all of this, uh, Backroads and Abandoned Motels, this is really cool. I'm so glad that you finally put these songs together under one roof. Uh, it's really great. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. It was nice talking to you, Kyle. You too, Gary. And we'll see you around Louisville next time. Take care. Okay. Bye. Right. Bye. Big old thanks to Gary Lewis of the Jayhawks again. That new record, Backroads and Abandoned Motels. We'll wrap up this Americana special with Israel Nash. His new record, Lifted, has a, a really cool 60s kind of vibe to it. He says he was uh, really influenced by Phil Spector's Wall of Sound. He'll also tell me all about Dripping Springs, Texas, and the studio that he built that's really important to this record. It's Kyle Meredith with Israel Nash.
Your new single is so good, and I want to give you that compliment right at the beginning. We've, we've been fans for a while, but uh, I don't know. There's something extra special about this one. I, I, don't, I don't know if it feels that way. Usually an artist, you know, the newest song, they're like, yeah, this is my best thing. But does this feel like something uh, extra for you? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's a lot of unique things for me in this, this time period from, like, external things to, like, you know, personal or spiritual things to kind of all – kind of act in concert to make an album you know it's like i have the studio space and like i i feel like i know a lot more behind the board and stuff now at a production kind of level and like know what i'm you know i can hear stuff and know how to achieve it a lot more easily than i could back in the day and, and then just kind of being at a at a piece and just like lyrically kind of hitting on some some bigger questions that i've kind of gone through over the last couple of years you know just questions of of humanity you know purpose and and you know point of this whole thing and um you know so i think it's been a time to uh really kind of focus those on an album so then whenever you hear that come together musically and lyrically it becomes song and records yeah it's a it's a very special point to me it's an intimate thing and it's just kind of using all the resources i have out here now you know like making a record out of my house but i have a studio and the ability to kind of do stuff that i couldn't do before you know so, you know those big questions that you were asking how much of that has to do with you know, the politics of the world and, and, and just news of what's happening out there and how much has to do with age getting to a certain point? I, you know, I ask the same question, you know, where it's like, I think that it's a combination of, you know, age. I think it's experience a lot. And I think experience generally favors the older because they've had more of them. But sometimes when you're younger, you know, you get great experiences. And I think for me, traveling, touring and playing music, sharing that with people, but like getting out on the road and like, you know, being in Europe and Seeing, hey, all these people like music too. They just you know, they have a different culture that they're making things work. It's that kind of stuff that I think opened me up even more to kind of put like my progressive ideals to test. Where it's like you're in the world, you know. It's like I lived in New York and I went out into the world and the music took me to all these places that introduced me to people doing different things and people that maybe not don't look like us or have different ideas, but they're they're just wonderful humans that connect us to the world. So you know, music has brought me that experience and. And a little bit of age there too, you know. But um, yeah, just realizing the purpose of my music is to like is a to satisfy something in me to release and connect to the world, and like almost I've realized it's kind of a meditative state that helps me kind of be in the now and be more mindful and kind of get my feelings across. But then, moreover, I get to share that with a lot of people, and that becomes my own my present in itself. You know, is the sharing of people because it gives me a reason to go out and see see them and to go out into the world and not just be pulled up in dripping springs you know it's like i love my ranch i love living in the country but it's the duality it's the yin and the yang that i need you know it's like isolation here and then getting out in the world tell me more about dripping springs because this is what about uh, half an hour 45 minutes outside of austin yeah it's it's about 30 40 minutes outside of austin right down 290 and you go 1400 feet in the air once you leave austin just keep climbing to what is called the uh texas hill country and Dripping Springs is the gateway to that, and then it just kind of extends past, like, San Antonio and further out west. But, um, you know, they call it, like, West of Weird. And, uh, you know, it's, like, it's an interesting town. It's, it's very rural, you know. Um, there aren't, like, a lot of, like, subdivisions or modern kind of living situations that's kind of changing more recently. But a lot of people have land, you know, and have five, ten, two hundred 200 acres. 
and I just fell in love with it because I, I grew up in the country in Missouri, and I, I knew after New York that I wanted to live in Austin and around that music area, but wanted to furthermore live in the country to make art and to live, and, and we found this place, and uh, it's 1,700 people, you know, it's like there are just cool people that live out hidden in the hills you wouldn't even know, you know, just people building stuff, other artists making things, craftsmen, just really interesting, you know, people, I think, kind of come out of Austin from here, people come here from California, you know, you get some interesting kind of folks that live out here for a Texas rural town, it doesn't necessarily feel maybe what you would judge or think about as like a small country Texas town, so it's got a lot of life and a lot of beauty, and just, you can, from my place, you can see hills for like 30 miles in the distance, and you just feel like you're on top of the world, kind of, but also just isolated to your own part of it, you know. I mean, there, there is the sort of what you're getting to there, the, the great contradiction of Texas and, and America, uh, the history, uh, the perception, obviously the politics, which, you know, when you're that close to Austin, which is a very liberal side of it, a very small yeah. pocket, you know, within the state, do, do you find yourself being faced with the, that clash otherwise? Because um, Dripping Springs actually sounds very idyllic otherwise. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's what I mean. I feel like the town has so many people that are kind of like Austin, like expats or kind of types like that already. So, yeah, I haven't really felt like that. I mean, like I said, there's just cool people doing cool stuff out here. And so you see the reach of Austin. You see this area of, of Texas in general kind of being an extension from Austin and, and kind of therefore kind of championing some of the same stuff like – it's not like Gripping Springs is some huge music town, but they love their musicians, you know? It's like, you know, I'll get, I'll, I got to do like the uh, talent show at my daughter's elementary school, you know? Me and Ben Queller were doing like That's judges awesome. for Walnut Springs has got talent, you know? So you know, there's, it's cool to live in a small town and be an artist and have some fans and, you know, talk about your small town. Cause I love Austin, but I always like to make sure, Hey, I'm from, I live in Dripping Springs. So, you know, it's like, let's talk about that. So I always make sure there's room to talk about dripping. Now you've, um, did you build a whole studio? Is that what I'm guessing? Because I feel like that's actually a big part of the story of this record is your studio. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I, so I built this studio like two and a half years ago after we had bought the this place you know it's kind of always a plan and like fix the house up and now it's like is the house good enough now so i can build a studio honey you know like um so can you forgo like that doesn't you know the kitchen remodel uh, so yeah we started building that and that was just a work in progress and i recorded my last album silver season um in there but that story was kind of like the out the studio was being built like the studio didn't have ac it didn't have running water it had tarps on the side of it. It was like way behind schedule. We made a record in it. And the story became the amazing unity of friendship and band and longtime pals that got through the mud and crazy storms. But this was, you know, less romantic and like that kind of level. This was like the studio. This record was the first time that and the first time that I've been able to write in it that it's been a studio where you open the door and it's a studio and you can make records, you know. Uh, so that's changed everything for me, you know. I mean, I'm writing and recording a lot more and I'm kind of like calling it this like farm to table rock and roll, you know, or write a song out here in the country, record it, and guess what? You can release it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. It's that easy. Yeah. So I, it's just an exciting time, you know? Yeah, and, and that might go into, you know, what the record's already been called, maybe by you, maybe by your publicist, I wasn't sure, but uh, a modern-day hippie spiritual. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, what is that? Uh, well, it's funny because... You know, I'm a big advocate. It's like of sharing, like getting people to work with me that 
yeah, they can take some direction or some ideas from me, but then also that they can do obviously stuff that impresses me and takes my stuff to another place, you know, and that's the beauty of community. And like the uh, Tom who did our art design packaging, you know, I gave him all these, all these references. I try to give a bunch of like verbal kind of references to paint pictures and get kind of people excited when we're working. And he was like, I told him all this stuff, you know, about that it's a, a place for me of kind of coming to a new uh, chapter in my life and how I view my responsibility, the world around me. It's a place where, you know, I wanted in the craziness of political, you know, current and the reality of civil injustice and stuff that can keep you awake and worried for the rest of your life. And there are real valid concerns in my life and should be in, and people should be aware. But I also wanted to take an opportunity to make an album that can maybe transcend some of that stuff and kind of like what I was talking about, just the human connection and spirit and things that are maybe more important than our, even our institutions or our words or this world, you know? So yeah, I think that uh, when Tom, I explained that to Tom in, in these kind of flowery terms, you know, to see what it stirred from him, and he just like um, like sent back the first version of the album cover, and it just had on the top of it "file under um, hippie spiritual." Um, <laughs> So it was perfect because I, cause I also told him where it's like, you know, I have all these ideas and these feelings, but I don't want it to be so like hoodoo, voodoo, like, you know, too weird and like too crystals and oils. or something. You know, it's like I want it to be like a good message, just a solid message. And so I thought that was like, a cool way to kind of present it. This kind of we like some of the spiritual words, you know, realms. But we also like hippie ideas and psychedelic, you know, long hair and rock and roll. So still, so, you know. Uh, musically, it does dip a bit into, you know, what we recognize from the 60s. Is that coincidence or does that purposefully play a part in this? I think that it it was purpose, purposeful for sure. I mean, a lot of the inspiration I had on this album were like some classic records like Sgt. Pepper and, you know, Pet Sounds, like, and not just so much of like trying to make songs like the Beatles or something but just being moved by the production and just realizing that these were like records that these artists made in some kind of like pinnacle point of their career where they had resources and creativity you know to be able to take time to make things and you know I don't I don't have all the the same resources as, as my heroes but due to technology and you know affordability um, we have so many resources as, as indie artists and stuff and now I've got a studio and and that's kind of what those albums did. It's like kind of using the studio as an instrument. Yeah. So I think that there was some ins a lot of inspiration on that. I was reading anything I could find about any of these kind of sessions, like any kind of video. I was printing out of like print books on PDF, oh, like wow. bootleg books off the internet, <laughs> you know, just to try to understand, not exactly like, I'm not caught up in the, all the, oh, you've got to do this and this and this, and that's the only way to make it sound good, or this is the only way to live life, this one thing, you know. But just to more get the mindset, you know, and it just kept on leading me to think that it was about freedom of creativity, you know, and access to many things. So this record, I I spend a lot of time gathering crazy sounds from the land. You know, I did tons of field recordings, like mm -hmm. banging rocks together, pouring water on the limestone. You know, like we have, we get all of our water out here um, from rain collection. So the rain hits the roof and goes into a tank. That's how we get water. So it's also awesome for reverb. So <laughs> throwing drums and stuff in there. And um, so I just went on the land and made a bunch of sounds and then brought them back into the studio and made them accessible like to like keyboards and stuff. So people could play a keyboard and that's like a rattlesnake. Hit this, hit, hit the middle C, you know, and it's crickets, you know, hit, hit low F and it's, you know, a thunderstorm that I recorded out here. So trying to get these sounds that like felt like a part of where I live because these songs are about my life. But that was that element of just kind of finding these crazy kind of 
thing. It's just, you know, Leslie cabinets. Just, I mean, just any kind of thing that I could find that made noise, because that's all records are, right? I mean, they're just, it's a bunch of cool sounds. So it's like, how do we get these sounds? You know, how do we find something and give a freedom to the players just to like pick up stuff? And so we had this sign on this table and it was called the crazy table. <laughs> and it just had bizarre things. And we had like water, it was pitched water. So it's like, we had this, this is the G and F and C water glass over here. And I mean, it was fun. It was just creative and let people kind of go places. So that inspiration was definitely probably the biggest element from some of those records was that freedom to do that. And I think there's also that element where it's, I finally got a record that I could have some strings and horns. Isn't that something that every artist kind of wants? I, right. I think. <laughs> so I was excited to have that. And I felt like, I think all that stuff goes into that sort of production. Some, some of the, like, I was kind of really, I'm still in just really into like the Phil Spector wall of sound stuff. And there was strings and horns all on that. And, and that's what kind of like Spector did was, was the first one to really use the studio as this instrument that you could kind of do more stuff, you know? So I was really, and that's what Pet Sounds, Pet, Brian Wilson was trying to emulate Phil Spector for Pet Sounds. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, you, you know, you got like All Things Must Pass, which is another Phil Spector co-produced thing, you know? But it's like, I was just really inspired by these studio things. So there's not like one single guitar on here that is just like one track. It's like we doubled up, tripled up some parts and, you know, just really trying to make a sound. So I guess it's the hillbilly Texas, you know, uh, wall of sound, the hill country wall of sound, you know. And we should uh, give some uh, give some attention because uh, a lot of those uh, sounds are um, the horns and strings. It's uh, folks from Grupo Fantasma and Wild Child, right? Yeah, and that's the other great thing about Austin, you know, it's music city. So you got some amazing people around here and friends. So uh, yeah, I was we got we had done the arrangements and I just reached out to some of these people and was like, hey, do you want to get in here and do some strings? And, and we did the strings after kind of the main tracking. But um, yeah, that was just so smooth and just kind of added that extra thing. And it's like, I had read this this quote by George Martin and he said that uh, no one would, something like no one would even, would say the Sgt. Pepper was the same record without these strings on it, you know? Like, <laughs> um, so I was excited to, to get that and have, you know, have our Austin kind of family and friends do it and be a part of that still. I love the way it sounds. Are you... Um... Are you able to incorporate that stuff live? Are you going to be bringing some of those sounds on the keyboard, the the crickets and the rain and stuff? Yeah, you know, that's what's exciting about this period is really, because that was the other thing. When I made the record, I didn't want to, uh, there's a, there's a, I think there's a, a kind of a tacit thing among artists where it's like, do stuff that you can pull off live. And then I think that that kind of changes the shape of the record. Like, too many rules, let's just make a record and then we'll figure out how to pull it off live. Because we all know that live is a different show anyway. I mean, it's recorded, the microphones, it's a completely different environment. It has so much more energy. I mean, it's always going to be different. So I'm always accepting that I'm not ever trying to do the same thing as the album. But there are some key sounds in here that I, I think are really fundamental. So I'm. that's what we've been doing. It's just kind of working on, like, how does that show really come together nicely? So I have this vision of, like, bringing some things from the land that we kind of, like, would use and making some of these sounds live, you know, like looping, making our own loops and stuff live with some of this instrumentation where there's almost this kind of like this visual kind of organic, overwhelming kind of aspect of the, of the show. So yeah, it's a pretty exciting time trying to figure out how to get, how to get all these sounds. And that's, what's also interesting. These, some of these albums that I'm citing, they didn't play these records live. Right. 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 And because they had limitations. So, you know, we have, we have like utility guy, like my pedal steel player, He's going to handle some more sounds. You know, we're going to have just 
weird things and just see how it goes. And kind of every man is responsible for more than the more than one thing, you know, more than four things, probably, you know, so, so that, you know, foot pedals that make synth string noises or stuff like that, you know, um, I mean, the guitar pedal land is insane now, you know? So yeah, that's gonna That is becoming fun in itself because it's, it's reconstructing it not in the same way that it is on the album exactly, but giving it, you know, reverence and respect that it's, Hey, this sounds like the album. So it's a, it's the other hat that you got to wear. You know, the studio is one thing, the live is another thing. And we have to be progressive and like working on all those, I think, as artists. Uh, I love what I've heard so far. I can't wait to catch a show. I definitely got to do that. Uh, I, I'm such a fan of this record. I, I love what you're doing, uh, what you've done. So congrats on that, Israel. And, uh, and thanks so much for, uh, for talking to me today, man. Well, thank you so much, Kyle. And, uh, yeah, there's, there are, what, nine, nine more tracks to play. So uh, I can't wait to hear more of them. Awesome. And uh, we'll see you when you get back around our parts. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. A big thank you to Mr. Israel Nash for that call right there. The new record is lifted. And again, thanks to my other two guests, Amanda Shires, To the Sunset, that new album, and uh, Gary Lewis of the Jayhawks out promoting Backroads and Abandoned Motels. Wherever you're listening from, go ahead and hit that subscribe button right now, whether it's uh, YouTube or if uh, you're checking out the podcast version at iTunes or Podchaser, subscribe there as well. And then uh, give us a review. Leave a rating as well. Then you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where you hear me do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. You'll also find some bonus episodes of this series over there. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.